This is Saster's Founders Favorite Series, where you can hear some of the best of the best from Saster speakers. This is where the cloud meets. The future of work is here, and Owl Labs has the advanced tech you need to empower remote and hybrid teams. Their award-winning 360-degree smart conferencing camera, the Meeting Owl Pro, boasts 1080p resolution and a crystal clear tri-speaker system to ensure that everyone is seen and heard. Read more on Owl Labs and the Work From Anywhere movement at owllabs.com. We're already counting down to Saster Annual 2020. For our loyal podcast listeners, we want to give you $100 off towards your ticket. Just buy your ticket using code FAVE100. Up today, Easy PR founder, Ed Zitrin. All right, this is Jason Lemkin. I'm your host today for the Saster Podcast. And gonna have a little bit of fun today. I've brought in Ed Zitron from EZPR, and Ed and I have worked together on different PR projects going back, I think, to 2013. Yeah. So that's quite a while. He's helped me. He's helped maybe a dozen different companies I've worked with, from Mixmax to Gorgeous to who else? Who else am I missing? GuideSpark. GuideSpark. A whole bunch of others. And um, I had a, I've written on this SaaS. I had a tortured relationship with PR as a as a SaaS CEO at Echoes and Adobe. Sun. I got fired by multiple PR firms, a couple of them for wanting to measure PR yeah. um, and actually measure the performance of PR because it seems expensive in the early days, right? And it is. And but that's I I have a client right now I won't name, but that I've had for around a year now, coming up on a year, who literally got came to me and said, "My PR firm just fired me." <laughs> Which I think is, I've done that maybe twice in the last 10 years. Yeah. And it's never been for measuring. It's because of a not great relationship. And those things happen. But when it comes to measuring stuff, yeah, you should. And you should start early. So yep. this is what I expect. This is what I want. Or, hey, as we set these up, I don't understand this. So please explain it to me. If they won't do that, there's already a problem. Yeah. And we'll dig into that. And as I started to kind of come out of the fog and work with more startups, I asked a few that I had gotten to know that seemed to be getting good PR hits who they worked with and got introduced to Ed and and we'll dig into this a little bit. And what I found now, fast forwarding today, six years down the road, is more and more startups I work with hack their way to marketing. They hack their way to content marketing. They hack their way to other things. And actually, they're actually more skeptical of the value of PR in general outside of a TechCrunch post out mm-hmm. of a fundraising. And so I want to dig into that. But we're going to talk a lot about, quote, traditional PR for most of this, uh, the few minutes we have together. But I wanted to have a little bit of fun first and talk about what's changed and what's hot and what isn't in PR and media in general. So five real quickly, and then let's dig into press. Let's but podcasts. It. Okay, we're doing one right now, right? I've heard of podcasts. You've heard they're, of podcasts. They are genuinely great. Yes. So the reason is, and I think you've said this before a lot on Sasta, is if you're listening to a podcast, say, about sales or about enterprise tech, DevOps and what have you, you are choosing to spend half an hour to an hour or more listening to two people talk about a subject as you are right now. That means very focused audience. And most of the time, these people who are doing the podcast are pretty well versed in it. And yeah, sure, some of them are quite, they're clearly doing it for one reason. But for the most part, podcasts are so focused and those who are sitting through them really care. They're giving them their attention. 
it's really good to do. Whether you should do your own is another thing. Yeah. Because I, I find this a lot with clients. A lot of mark, head of marketing come in and mm-hmm. they want to set up a podcast for the client, for the new company today, right? Yeah. And it's usually a bad idea just because the amount of time this takes, as you well know, Jason, is it's quite time intense. And I've run several podcasts. I've had, I actually have one get into the top 10 on iTunes. And the one thing I found is it's very hard finding a specific audience. And then it gets even harder finding someone who's actually good. And sometimes you can have one person who's good and then one person who isn't so good. And if someone isn't good on the microphone, they better bloody have something interesting to say. And usually that gets mangled up by them being boring. So in many cases, if you have something that's so niche, you should do it, but only if you can dedicate the time and only if you have someone really good to talk about it. Because if you don't, if you don't have someone with a bit of charm, but also a lot of knowledge, just you're going to lose listeners and those who listen aren't necessarily going to be interested and getting a lot of shares isn't even the thing you need to really have a point as to why you're doing it so yeah so doing your own is hard for your clients is it does it count as pr should they do other podcasts do you try to do you try to get them booked onto other folks podcasts yes i do yes and it's always worth it for specific ones yes and again it comes down to your ceo he or she may not be great on microphone. There are people who are really good speakers who are terrible on podcasts, and they don't know why. It's sometimes the isolation and the not really having a focal point. And if they are good on the microphone, yes, get them on there. But a lot of podcasts are going pay to play. I was speaking to DevOps.com the other day, and they said, yeah, it's like a few grand, which is crazy. And a few grand to get a CO to- On a podcast. On a podcast, okay. Which, honestly, for a DevOps company, is probably worth it. Yeah. whether and what's the distro? What do you think a floor is for a number of... I mean, I know audiences vary, but when would you recommend a client do a podcast or is it not do a podcast? It's very difficult to tell because it is a lot more time investment than a media hit. Yeah. So potentially a much lower floor because there's no podcast SEO. There's no... The lasting effect may count, but probably not. But usually you want one that's got at least 10... Gets at least 10,000 listens an episode. The dinky podcasts I've done in the Pass with friends, have got like 15,000 an episode. But 10,000 is surprisingly hard to get. I would guess yes. 90, over 99% of podcasts, we get like 140,000 for Saster now. And Harry built this up over years. But that's the thing, you have to build it up. And yeah. it has to be one that's built up. If it's someone who's notable, then you should do it because eventually people, what people will do is download the back catalog. If it's a good podcast yeah. and it gets big, that is the lasting thing with podcasts. Oh, we got to learn how to do that. Okay, so interesting floor. Do podcasts. Think about 10,000 as a floor. And bear in mind, you may have to pay to play a little bit yeah. in 2020, right? And if it's very niche, yeah. maybe you can go below that. It, it, it's a judgment call. But yeah, it's considered the classical PR pitching thing. Okay, number two, blogging. Everyone since the dawn of mm-hmm. time especially if a marketer wants their CEO to be a thought leader. What, what blogging seems to have died and then social media seems to have revived it. Uh, what sh- how much time should, should we spend blogging? How interesting are you is the question. Uh, most <laughs> folks I know aren't interesting. So then they should not bother. <laughs> because if you can't regularly say, so something that you've done very well, Jason, is core. Yeah. Which is kind of quasi-blogging, which you've then taken them and turned into full blogs. That makes sense because you have a lot of very specific knowledge to share. If you have a ton of honest, if it bleeds, it leads type stuff, yep. that's useful. 
more stuff about ways that the Silicon Valley, blah, blah. The moment that you start just falling asleep during the headline, you probably shouldn't be writing. And if you can't write, you shouldn't, unless you have a good ghostwriter, and most likely you don't. And if that ghostwriter has to struggle to pull things out of your head, don't bother. But conversely, if you have some really good hot takes, like I used to work with a guy called Brian Burkeen at Kairos. Yep. We just saw him in Miami when we were at Miami Lovely meetup. Fella. And we in we worked together when we did last year. It was we did this thing about how police should not have access to face recognition. Well, that got a lot of that 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 took off. And I pitched that. And the idea was based on the fact that Brian had a lot of views on it. He was a thought leader in the sense that he actually had leading thoughts and it did well. Conversely, I've had problems with other ones where it's like, let's do a blog about, and they just, they want to be out there to be seen versus having any contribution. And that's what it comes back yeah. to. But I generally find that any type of PR where you want to be out there to be seen, yeah. being on stage, it doesn't work, does it? No, but you need to, you need to really, if it bleeds, it leads is important because people- If it bleeds, it, it leads. Because yeah. What does that mean? Hold on, oh, slow sorry. me down. I probably should If it bleeds- <laughs> So what that means is it goes back to the idea that you should be honest. Yeah. You need to really share. Oh, I see. Yeah. Be authentic. My my version be authentic. But also a step beyond that. It yeah. needs to be sometimes it's not fun. Sometimes the things you're sharing are show weakness or they show your own fallibility or yeah. your own failings. People learn from failings. People want to read about those so that they don't make the same mistakes or that they don't feel alone. It's a core emotional thing. So when people read that, they go, Oh wow, yeah, I felt like that. And that's a bit high concept for very enterprisey clients, sure. But if you can come back to a thing where you're actually teaching them something that they really wouldn't have read much of before, yeah, that's worth it. it can if work. you're not, don't bother. All right, a few other just quickies before we talk about mm -hmm. press in general. Press releases in 2020, do they do any? My, my PR firm, my marketer mm -hmm. wants to issue a press release. Is that going to get me a lot of good customers or no. what's the... But now we laugh, but people are still doing press releases in 2020, aren't they? And there is a certain degree of... The curtsy, the, oh, this is just what we do. You don't have to do it. You yeah. should consider- will, will anyone read a press release in 2020? They might ask for one, but the truth is, and this is going to steal from an old client of mine, Backblaze, Gleb Bugman and his team there used to have this great idea of basically, instead of a press release, it would just be a fact sheet that was, here is the news, the exact embargo, The uh, here is a block about us, just so, just so that you remember, a block about what we're talking about and three quotes, have fun. That's all the press release really is. Should you put it on the wire? Probably not unless the person funding you has said, I want this on the wire. They're probably wrong, but it's not worth the argument. It's not worth the argument, is it? And it's $1,000, which you could spend literally anywhere else. You could. All right, two other quick ones, and then, and then let's dig in with time left. Social media, should CEOs be spending their time tweeting? Well, I, I tweet a lot, which yes. is definitely not good for me, but I would argue <laughs> that unless you really, the answer is probably not. You yeah. should be active. You should be engaging with people, but make it authentic. Again, don't do, don't let your PR firm touch your social. Okay. Don't do what about that. politics? Should when no. should CEOs talk about politics in in SaaS and enterprise with business? When when is, when is a good idea to wade into politics? Here's a great choice: just don't, for the most part. But it is also if you are particularly opinionated on something very obvious, such as hey, immigration is good. Yes, That's fine. Mark Benioff has been very nuanced. He has also strayed occasionally a little deeper than he should. Yes, and he has he has paid dearly for it. Well, not dearly, but he's he's looked kind of silly. The best choices don't talk about it. Now, if you have a situation where you have to address it, do not do so on social media. 
do not immediately go and talk to people on Twitter about it. It's a bad place for a deep discussion. And Facebook, you should have customer service. And if it's really bad, you should be talking to a lawyer. Do not just jump, <laughs> just don't jump on Twitter and go, I'll deal with this. Yes. You are not, it's not worth your time. It is going to exhaust you and you'll get snarled up in an argument you really could never have won. All right, just two more on this. So I agree with you on, on Twitter, although I, I tweet a lot too. <laughs> a lot, one thing that's changed a lot in terms of like guerrilla PR over the last year and a half in SaaS is LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, and the LinkedIn feed in, in my ecosystem has exploded. The yeah. engagement's very high. Oh, yeah. It's hyper-promotional. And it seems to be okay to be promotional on LinkedIn, yes. where on Twitter it won't work and on Facebook you won't get a view. So what's the strategy for, for, for LinkedIn in terms of promotion in general and PR as a concept? LinkedIn, you have to invest in heavily and you have to put a lot of time into it and you have to be prepared to do a lot of work for very little engagement for a long time until you take off. Yeah. And I hate to say it, I've seen multiple people I've known invest that time and it never go anywhere. And you can see that they're up in the production values. They're spending more time doing it and it sucks. Yep. It, it doesn't mean that anything's wrong with them, but for the most part, it's still a limited feed. You are right though. It, it's fine to like talk about your achievements on LinkedIn because that's what it's for. But I would not buy into the idea that any social feed is a guaranteed win. If you have something unique, put it on LinkedIn if it's professional, because more than likely people will appreciate some self-promotion there. They know what they're getting into on LinkedIn. Yep. The reason it looks so cheesy and kind of crappy on Facebook or Twitter is we are conditioned to see them as social and regular feeds. They're not our work feeds when LinkedIn is always that. LinkedIn, however, I have seen more people discussing politics. It's never going to work. Stop trying. You do not want to. <laughs> the arguments on there get very bad. However, for the most part, it's a great. If you're going to put any time into social, that's the place right yeah, now. Probably for B2B. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about press. So first of all, you wrote, we we're taking notes on one presses. You wrote Business Insider, TechCrunch, HN Hacker News. Yeah. Is Wall Street Journal, New York Times still count? What is the, so let's step back for a minute. There's obviously A tier, B tier, and C tier press. Yes. And it's always had a longitudinal or exponential distribution, right? Yes. A log logarithmic distribution, really. The good, the good stuff performs and the crap at the end, if you're lucky, does anything. Yeah. So what is what is elite press in 2020? So the thing that I've started to do is go with longer term engagements. I've started to do master tier, tier one, tier two. So master okay. tier is the New York Times, Bloomberg Television, 60 Minutes, like the hardest stuff to get, which in many cases for B2B does not matter. Yeah. You don't really care about 60 Minutes unless it's something very specialist. But I would say the those master tier ones like the New York Times and Wall Street Journals are getting increasingly hard to get into. You're not getting your own story in them unless you have, even if you need like a $10 billion valuation now. A unicorn is not enough. New, God, no. Yeah. God, no. You'll get Bloomberg with a unicorn. And that's actually a really good place. Print or TV? Uh, just online. Online. Yeah, yeah. I almost forgotten about print. I maybe print's the wrong word. I, I guess I meant written word, word written, written, written or video. Yeah. <laughs> word doing. Yeah. Um, so being a unicorn is not enough for the times anymore. Having a big valuation in a hot space, maybe, but there are it's a vastly limited space now. They have really rolled back deal book, which is where they used to write about these deals. Yep. Even when they were writing those, they were getting very picky, which is ultimately a good thing for their readers. The Wall Street Journal is getting very hard. 
because they love taking their venture capital things, saying, oh, we'd love to write about this, interviewing you, and then you get in a paid-for newsletter or behind the paywall. Yeah, you do get in behind the paywall. And, and is it, so I, I know that can be frustrating when you're behind a paywall. Does that mean it doesn't perform or doesn't yes. have value? It happens with the journal. The journal, that is a black box. No one's going to just, I, I, sorry if you're writing for the Wall Street Journal, I, I have never met anyone who's paid for that. That being said, Business Insider Prime, yes, which is their paid for thing where increasingly funding announcements are going, those do perform and they're deeper pieces. Well, they're super specific. They almost look like placed articles to me, to tell you the truth, some of them. Some of them, yeah. (laughs) But I mean, knowing the- So be it. So be it. But also, you read them and and trust me, being on the other side, when you hear the questions, they'll grill you. They've got good stuff there. But to that point, the Wall Street Journal has become- kind of a flip of a coin and you have to be very upfront and like, hey, I don't want this behind the paywall and paywall. And they may say, no, okay, no longer interested. So to get, so let's go. So we talked about Wall Street. How, what type of story can can you get me into Business Insider? What does it take in enterprise in 2020? Depends what the enterprise is. So if you are a deep, 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 deep enterprise story, BI is probably the best choice because depending on who you're talking to there, You've got some really great, I love the people they've got at BI right now, but Rosalie Chan is their deep tech reporter. She's yep. got an enterprise background. If she gives you the time of day, because all these reporters get thousands of emails a day, it's Thousand, insane. I mean, insane, right? I used to know a Daily Show reporter who get 25,000 a day, just bonkers stuff. But Rosalie Chan, she, she isn't just a file them out, write them down type report. I mean, none of them are, but she has such deep knowledge it's actually a real joy for specific clients. She worked with a client my platform.sh and she was really deep in the DevOps weeds there, which is great. More importantly, if you want a story that's actually going to perform with investors, with potential customers within your industry, that's the kind of place. TechCrunch, same, same deal, but they are just as overwhelmed. But you've there for B2B in particular. If it's got an e-commerce, Ben, Anthony Haas, very good, very e-commerce focused, but straight to business. Frédéric Lanois and Ron Miller, both B2B enterprise type guys. Again, overwhelmed with pitches, but if you overwhelmed with pitches, yes. They do the depth. So so compare for them, take two different pitches. Take a product pitch and a fundraising pitch. And give me examples of what's performed and what falls flat with sort of those with those media. What what will they write about and what do they say that would surprise maybe folks? And what will they not write about that if you didn't know anything you think they would write about? You'll be shocked how many $60 million funding announcements BI will turn down. Just turn it down. Just will they ask for an exclusive or will they turn it down entirely? They may ask for an exclusive, but they may just say, it's not for us. Not for us. Which yeah. is the climate we're in now. Just having a funding announcement is not enough. Product TechCrunch. I yeah. have seen those perform very well. They convert. They convert into actual downloads. But they don't want to write about your spring release, do they? No. So they, what, what's exciting? What, what's exciting? Because sometimes founders get lost here. They just want people to write about their product. But what? there's so many pitches. What gets a reporter excited or journalist today? It, you have to find a way to talk to the reporter at some point. But that's I can get into that a little later. But yep. when it comes to a product, it needs to be very direct, actually applicable to what they've written about. So with um, TechCrunch and Mixmax, I worked with them a few times with Frederick because he's read about email, he's read about enterprise before and bringing him this idea of, okay, this is a different way in which a sales team and an enterprise can approach their day. It's not just automation in a big wavy, wavy way. It's here is literally a set of rules you can set up and hit go and someone can have their day quasi-automated. You 
I imagine the person is still a person with a brain. Yes. But you can set a junior employee to go bam, bam, bam through their day. That was quote unquote beast mode. That's something which he was quite interested in. That also worked with uh, Matt Hughes formerly at the Next Web, and he's now at the Register. These are the kinds of things that matter because instead of these very big picture stories, which they're bored of and they're never going to talk to your startup about, they're going to talk to UiPath or a huge company about those. They want to know, okay, directly, how are you changing an actual sales team's day? Also, they deep down don't give that much of a crap about a sales team. They give a crap about how could this software work for a person? Yep. They do not like sales. Sales is like one of the weirdest- As a category? Yes, it's weirdly- Sales software, marketing yes. software, boring Sale, too? Marketing especially. Because yeah. marketing is actually even more difficult to get a journalist's ear around because they're like, how does that even work? <laughs> sales, you can kind of give an idea, but nobody likes salespeople on the journalism side because in some ways also a bad PR firm will be lumped in with a sales team. I got you. It's just the stigma of sales. It's nothing against anyone. Okay, Ed, this was terrific. Thanks for the time. Thank you for having me. Ed Zitra and EZPR, check them out. It's been great working together over the years, and these are great insights. Thank you. Owl Labs introduces the next wave of collaborative tech with award-winning connected devices and services powered by AI and predictive technology. Winner of a CES Best in Innovation Award, the Meeting Owl Pro is a 360-degree conferencing camera that's changing the way teams connect, no matter their location. Visit owllabs.com to learn more and visit us at Saster Annual in March.